Welcome to season two of the Jesus is Winning podcast. This is going to be an amazing season as we hear about what Jesus is doing in places like North America, India, West Africa, Thailand, and many other places. The common theme is simple and true. Jesus is winning. Turn off the bad news for a while. The things you hear on CNN, Fox News, and most of the other media outlets. And listen to some good news that will encourage and challenge you. No doubt about it. Jesus is winning. Well, thank you all for joining us with the Jesus is Winning podcast. This is the second season. Today, is, I've got a... Uh, it's a real privilege to be able to talk with Cynthia Anderson. She's been involved in, in movements for a long time. She's just come out with a new book, which we'll talk about. But I want to introduce her here. Cynthia, she special, special, specializes in training pastors, mission agencies, and other kingdom-minded leaders in how to multiply disciples and catalyze Jesus movements in their areas. She's an international speaker, author of several books, and a regular columnist for the award-winning Christian magazine, Mission Frontiers. Cynthia and her husband, Todd, have served as missionaries in Asia for more than 30 years. Her popular online course has trained thousands of students across 90 nations in how to multiply disciples and start movements and currently serves as the leader of Disciple Makers Increase, a global ministry of youth with a mission. Most recently, she launched a new podcast about making and multiplying disciples called Dare to Multiply. So, Cynthia, it's good to have you. It's, uh, it's a real privilege. You, you are an expert in this area of disciple-making movements. And so I want to ask you, how did you get exposed to the idea of not just planting one church, but planting house churches that would multiply. Yeah, well, thanks, Mark. And it's so good to be here and uh, really an honor and a privilege. Thank you for having me and um, really excited about what God is doing around the world. And we got Jesus is winning. I love the title yeah. of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that's wonderful. But yeah, um, I got involved in disciple making movements and church planning movements before we called them that, actually. Mm. <laughs> and um, my husband, Todd, and I, we I'm actually a missionary kid. I grew up in West Africa. I was born in Nigeria and grew up in Ghana and Liberia. I know you've been to Ghana and exciting things happening there. Um, but I grew up on the mission field and then came back to the States. We were actually evacuated during a military coup when I was a seventh grader, came back wow. to the States. And um, I didn't really know if I wanted to go back overseas again. You know, I just wanted to live somewhere safe. It had been a somewhat traumatic experience. But when I was in college, I went on a missions trip to Thailand and Singapore, and it was there that God really spoke to me about the unreached and put a call on my life and on my husband's life. Uh, he went to Germany on a short-term trip. And so we, um, we started out our ministry in Nepal, and we went when we were 23 and 24, um, pregnant with our first baby. And at that time, my biggest dream 
uh, the, you know, this was seems such a huge dream at the time was just that if we could plant one church among oh. an unengaged, <laughs> unreached people group, that would just be like hitting the jackpot. You know, if we could do yeah. that, that was my dream. Yeah. And um, our first year in Nepal, uh, the YWAM Frontier Mission's current leader now, at that time he was leading something called Church Planning Coaches, Kevin Sutter, came yeah. along with George Patterson, who was one of Kevin's mentors, to Nepal and ran a seminar. And we um, we sat in our friend's living room and heard for the very first time about church multiplication and that we shouldn't just think about planting one church in light of this vast need of the unreached, but we should think about planting a church that would plant churches and uh, daughter churches and granddaughter churches. And that's all we knew to call it back then. You know, we didn't have all these terms that we use today, but um, that vision caught in our hearts. And we thought it's true. There are so many millions who've never heard and, we need to do more than just plant one church. We need to plant a church that plants churches and make disciples who make disciples. And so that vision to see multiplication really took root from there. And we kind of evolved with um, movement thinking through the years since then. Yeah. I want to ask you something that I remember, um, how long has it been? Maybe seven or eight years ago, we were in a meeting together as part of the uh, International Frontier Missions Leadership Team. And there was, wasn't there like kind of an o- official shift in our terminology when we went from church planting to disciple making? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What, how did that happen? I know that you've been a leader in that organization for a long time. What kind of caused that shift? Yeah, well, there's a lot of overlap between church planning movement and disciple making movement um, thinking. And I think at that time, what was really in our hearts when we decided officially to make that shift was a lot of people get really intimidated by the term church planting. You know, (laughs) they're ordinary folks or, you know, maybe young in ministry or they just the idea of planting a church seems very daunting to the ordinary person. And um, we wanted to make it more doable for ordinary people, you know? And so when we talk about disciple making movements and making disciples who make disciples, that seems an easier on-ramp, but many of those disciples will be formed into groups. Those groups will evolve into churches. A disciple making movement often becomes a church planning movement. But um, we changed our terminology, I think predominantly because it seemed an easier thing for people to onboard into, uh, you know, thinking disciple making and movements rather than church planning and movements. Yeah, that, that is so true. And something that hit me when that was, when it was being discussed, it, it appears to me like in the Great Commission, it's actually a little more accurate with what Jesus challenged us to do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's interesting. So let me ask you, after 30 years, or more than 30 years, actually, of living in Asia, what concerns you most about what you see happening in the global church? And then what also makes you most hopeful? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, I think, yeah, let's start with the concerns. I know this is, we want to talk about hopeful things and exciting (laughs) things, but we're going to get to that. But um, 
I think I do see a concern, you know, when I look at certain parts of the world, um, say Africa, for example, where both you and I have been involved of late, um, there's there really is a lack of discipleship in the church. Yeah. And um, people are becoming Christians or converts or raising their hand in a crusade or they're yeah. um, attending church, but they're not learning what it means to follow the way of Jesus. And consequently, there's not a lot of life transformation that takes yeah. place because without discipleship, we don't see that transformation. Um, that is really what the gospel is all about. And it falls so far short of what Jesus you know, died to purchase for us. And so that's a concern to me when I look at the church um, where in the global South, where there are many Christians, there's many who are not discipled in the way of Jesus. And I think um, when we are pastor centric or focused only on getting people in a building, we don't see disciples making disciples. We don't see that life transformation. And then here in the West, you know, um, of course, it's a big concern to me and to, to most of us. It's just mass exodus from um, from the church and right. especially this generation. So many who are deciding to take a pass on Christianity and even if they grew up Christian. And um, that's a big concern. And yet I'm really, you know, I really believe we have the answers to that. If yeah. we just will look beyond the norms that we've become so accustomed to as to what the church looks like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Then to go to the, the next question, what am I excited about? I think it's, again, kind of the reverse. I'm really excited about the opportunity that that crisis creates. Because oh, yeah. whenever whenever there's a crisis there's an opportunity for new wine and new wine skims. And, um, you know, it's easier for us to change when, when things are hard and there's a crisis that's come. And I do see that the church in the West is in crisis. I see the church, you know, in many places where nominalism has taken over, there's a sense of crisis that if we don't change, we're going to lose a generation. And I really have faith that that crisis can catalyze us into looking a lot more like what the New Testament church looked like and to people being willing to change and adopt new things. And we see that happening across the world and where movements are taking place. People are changing and they are willing to embrace a new way of doing church and a new way of um, obeying Jesus commands. And um, yeah, yeah, that ordinary disciples can make disciples and are making disciples. And I just, you know, I love those stories that I hear and probably you're hearing too, Mark, but, you know, almost every day I'm hearing stories about, you know, uh, a vegetable seller who started a couple of new churches, you know, or somebody who's a hairstylist who's reaching out to the people as they cut hair and people are coming to faith or children in um, South Sudan who are going out back to the areas where they were trafficked from and they're baptizing people and casting out demons and starting churches. (laughs) You know, exciting things are happening. Um, Partly because of this crisis that's been created, um, yeah. you know, through some of our maybe disobedience, you know, but um, there is a crisis makes an opportunity for new things. Yeah, I'm really interested in this this book you've just written. Uh, the title is uh, very interesting. Looking forward to reading it. The Multiplier's Mindset. Uh, tell us, why did you decide to write it? 
Yeah. Well, I, I've been training, as you said, um, when you introduced me, I've been training people in church planning movements, disciple making movements, strategies and approaches and uh, teaching a lot of skills, which I think is really important. You know, sometimes we just are all about theory and not equipping people in skills. But I started to notice that for a lot of people, they were doing a lot of things well, but they weren't seeing movements take off. And they weren't seeing multiplication happen. And as I thought about that and and went to scripture and prayer, I just realized that if we don't change our thinking, our behavior really doesn't change in a sustainable way. We may learn a new skill and kind of try it a few times. But if our thinking is stuck in an old mindset or an old belief system about God, about ourselves, about others, about how to make disciples, then um, we don't sustain behavior change that leads to the multiplication of transformed disciples. And so I think in many ways, um, my heart just really went out to a lot of people who are trying to see multiplication. They're trying to do something different, but they're not really seeing the fruit come. And I know it's God's will to bring that. Um, So I know this has really helped me and really helped some of the others in our organization to see the release of fruitfulness has been to really go back and look at our mindsets and our belief systems about certain key areas and realign ourselves to scripture. And so, yeah, it's just really on my heart to see people see that fruit released that their hearts are longing for. And I know this book can really help a lot of people in that way. Yeah, no, in, in the book, you, you uh, talk about some important shifts. Uh, Describe a couple of those. Sure. Yeah. Well, I've got, um, I know people won't be able to see the video here, but I'll show these to you. Um, I've got some cards here and if people buy a couple copies of the book, they get a free set of cards. So you're going to want to buy, buy at least three copies, Mark, and you'll get yes. a set of these. I'll, but, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> here's a, a, an example. This is the mindset all, and it's all appointed to accomplish all activities. And it's, it's really shifting to our understanding of the priesthood of all believers. First Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And, you know, if we really believe that First Peter 2.9 is true, that yeah. that's, that's the truth of God's word, that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation then that means that all are appointed to accomplish all activities, that we are all ministers. And, you know, I think there's such a mindset um, around the world that the ministers are the pastors and the missionaries and the professionals, and both you and I are are professional missionaries. But, um, you know, so many people look to the professionals to do the work of the ministry rather than realizing that all, have been appointed by God to accomplish all activities and to do the work in the ministry. And um, when people really get a hold of this, the fruit starts to change. You know, um, I have a a brother who just did our course. His name's Johannes in Botswana. And he started understanding this and started shifting his mindset and realizing that the people in his church, they needed to be equipped to do the work in the ministry, not him 
running here and there, you know, whenever someone was sick, he would go and pray. Instead, he started training them and saying, you have the same anointing that I have. God's Holy Spirit is in you. When somebody's yes. sick, you pray for them. And and his people started believing scripture and doing that. And uh, he just sent me pictures the other day of somebody who they had called him to come and pray. And he said, no, you go and pray for them. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. they did. And the person was miraculously healed and delivered. And he sent me the pictures, you know, of this person just with joy all over their face. That, but, um, you know, really, we are a royal priesthood. And that's more, you know, that means we have to move beyond professionals and uh, to every ordinary believer can do the work of the ministry and activating ordinary people in really their identity of who they are yeah. in God. So that's that one is, of them. That is a huge shift. <laughs> yes, it yeah. is. It does. So good. Okay. Yeah. Another example. Yeah. Well, um, another one is enough. Um, here's a mindset of enough and it is, I don't need more stuff. I already have enough. And oh, so often yeah. we, you know, when we think about making disciples who make disciples or something like starting a movement of disciples, you know, we think, oh, if I just had this, or if I just had that, if I had more money, if I had a bigger team, if I had more training, if I had more this, more that, and we're stuck in this sort of poverty mindset or a scarcity mindset that says, you know, whatever I am, whatever I have is not enough to do this great commission that Jesus commanded us to do, to go and make disciples of all nations. And so really changing our mindset. And again, we kind of know this, but our, you know, when we look at our actions and our behavior, we see that we don't actually believe that, you know, uh. <laughs> you know, we, we need to look at our actions and see if they match up, you know, with what we say yeah. we believe. And so looking at that, that God has really given us everything we need for life and godliness. And um, we might have to do some things differently yeah. um, in a new way. Um, maybe we used to think that the only way to reach people was to rent a building, you know, and hire yeah. a sound system and, you know, maybe we're <laughs> going to have to do things differently, but we yeah. already have enough, you know, to do what God's called us to do. So wow. that's another example. Yeah. That's have awesome. you ever seen that Mark in some of the oh. places you've gone? Oh man. Yeah, that's for sure. I'd we, uh, we've talked about planting another church here in uh, Jacksonville out of our present church. And the pastor told me that it would probably cost a couple hundred thousand dollars to do that. I'm going. Mm. <laughs> yeah. One thing I know for sure at that rate, it's not going to multiply. We might be able to add once in a while, but yeah. So uh, right. the idea that we already have enough. Uh, wow. That's, uh, that's very freeing. Right. I mean, mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it's very encouraging, empowering yeah. the word. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it's absolutely the truth of scripture, you know, so. That's, that's um, awesome. Well, yeah. let me ask you this. And what what is your hope for the future as people read your book or in general, as it relates to discipleship and the church? Yeah, well, it's really my hope that as people read this book, they, like you just used the word, they'd be set free. Yeah. You know, our, 
we get stuck in these old beliefs and mindsets that really have a lot more to do with our experiences or with what we see around us. And they're not based on the word of God. And so as we realign, as people go through that process and the book has discussion questions, you know, I really hope to be a kind of provoking voice that makes people rethink about some things. And I I believe that God's going to bring freedom and release and that um, I know the result of that as our, as our thinking changes, as we repent and come before the Lord and say, God, I need to change in this area. I'm stuck in this old mindset. Help me um, that they're going to be set free. And then the ultimate result of that is that as they start to believe differently, they're going to behave differently and they're going to see a lot different fruit as a result and many more people are going to come to Jesus. And I believe many new movements will be catalyzed as a result as well. And um, so, yeah, I'm super excited about what God's going to do through it. Well, how do people get a copy of your book? That's a, that's something we need to get that out here. How, how can we get your book? Yeah. Well, they can go to www.multipliersmindset.com. And um, they can grab a copy and yeah, um, or buy three copies and we'll, we'll be happy to send you a set of cards and you can talk about those with your group and they have the discussion questions on the back and yeah, really encourage people. You know, we, we tend to be more ready for change when we're with a group of people who are also thinking together. So I'm, I'm hoping that groups of, you know, teams or groups, we go through the book together and, um, yeah. yeah, make those changes as a group. That's good. So it's www.multipliersmindset.com. Com. That's good. Now, you have other resources that can be very helpful, too. How how would we find those? Sure. Yeah, I have a blog and a, you mentioned the podcast. So all of that can be found at dmmsfrontiermissions.com. So dmmsfrontiermissions.com and uh, you can get to the podcast that way or you can look it up. It's Dare to Multiply. I have, um, yeah, a couple of Q&As and then an interview um, every week. So, yeah, yeah, lots of questions that might be on people's minds. Hopefully I'll be able to provide some answers and encouragement as you're doing. That is so good. Well, this this podcast, Jesus is Winning, it really is based on uh, my belief that the best strategy is DMM work. Disciple-making movements is how we see Jesus winning today and how he will continue winning in the future. So uh, I would just recommend for any who are listening here, uh, grab all the information you can through Cynthia because she is really an expert in this. She's been involved in it for years And I think this book, I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm going to give it to my pastor and see what he thinks about it, too. (laughs) That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, very excited about this. I think it's so critical. The way we think determines how we act, right? And so Mm -hmm. we need this mindset. That That is so good. So, well... This is encouraging. This this is how we all can get involved in winning. Uh, Jesus is winning. We want to join him in that. And Amen. I think uh, changing our mindset can be really a, a first step for many people. So 
Thank you, Cynthia, for your time. We really appreciate it. it it's an honor to have you as part of this because I, I know that this is critical if we're going to see what we want to see in the world. Disciples Amen. making disciples and unreached people groups being reached and nations being changed. Amen. So thank you so much. We really yeah. appreciate you. My pleasure. And thank you for your time. And I look forward to connecting with, with those who get in touch. So, so thanks. Okay. It's, an, it's my honor, Mark. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Cynthia. Bye.